first time that I ever got pulled over, which doesn't happen very often. I was out for a nice little drive in Freeborn County, Minnesota, quiet little area, Sunday afternoon. Kind of got stuck behind a couple of vehicles going rather slow on a Sunday afternoon. These, Sunday, these vehicles happened to be going, for whatever reason, the exact same spots that I was going. Finally, it's like, I've had enough. I know these roads pretty well. Been on them, I know. There's hardly anybody that travels these roads. There was a solid yellow line. And I was like, that's okay that there's a solid yellow line. Because I know that no one's coming. So I decided to mosey around those vehicles and around and came around, got in front of the second vehicle that was up there. And little did I know, the gravel road that we were passing, there's a nice little county deputy sheriff sitting there. We had a nice little conversation <laughs> together. Thankfully, my brother was in law enforcement, so I just kind of used the M. McCorris name. <laughs> the worst part wasn't the fact getting pulled over. The worst part was the next day working for my neighbor because my neighbor happened to be one of the people that I was driving around that day. And so the neighbor knew that I had gotten pulled over. So the next day we were at work, and finally I said to him, like, what were you doing? Where were you going? He's like, going where I go every Sunday, anywhere I want. Well, maybe next time. You should go anywhere you want with a little speed. <laughs> or travel to a specific destination with a little speed. That Sunday afternoon wandering at a slow rate got me in trouble. I think if many of us looked at our spiritual lives, our spiritual lives would reflect the Sunday afternoon drive. Some of you maybe grew up going on the Sunday afternoon drive with grandma and grandpa, or you still go on the Sunday afternoon drive, kind of wandering anywhere and everywhere, but really no purpose. Every once in a while there might be a purpose because you might think, you know what, we're going to make our way to the steakhouse at the end. But outside of that, we're just going to wander wherever, whenever. Our spiritual lives are often like that as well. We're just kind of wandering wherever, whenever. Every once in a while, it's like, boom, we're on fire. We stop at the steakhouse. We know exactly where we're going. But other times, it's just like, we're just going about life. We'll just see what comes our way. And then we wonder why we don't have the impact that Jesus desires for us to have. Or we wonder why when hardship comes, we struggle to have peace and joy. Maybe it's because for a majority of the time, we're wandering aimlessly. And we're not the only ones that have ever wandered aimlessly. Every, actually, every human being in history has wandered aimlessly. And it's really described in the Bible in two different ways. First, by the first humans described in the Bible, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were, were just kind of given some things by God, told but what happened to Adam and Eve. The moment they had opportunity to do something else, what'd they do? They took the opportunity. Well, fast forward a little bit from Adam and Eve when they kind of failed the test. Fast forward to Adam and Eve and you got this new group of people called Israel. Israel was a group of people that God had freed from slavery. He had taken them from one nation, and basically God came and got them through a person named Moses. And then Moses brought them out of that nation, and Moses had been promised that he was going to take this group of people where? To this place called the Promised Land. 
this amazing piece of land that God had promised for this nation, this piece of land where God was going to build up this group of people, and ultimately, through this piece of land, God was going to bless all other nations. So here is this group of people, been living in hardship, been downtrodden and beaten, yet God intervened, and they've been given this glorious heritage. But what happened? They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And many in the generation never got to enter the promised land. Why? Why? Why they're wandering aimlessly and they never got to enter the promised land. Well, the reason why is this. They fell to temptation. They fell into the trap. The trap that we read about in Luke chapter 4 this morning. You might be thinking, well, what is Jesus in the desert have anything to do with them wandering in the wilderness for 40 years? Well, Jesus was in the desert to face the exact same temptations. Anytime you read in the Bible, a little bit of a side note, anytime you're reading something in the Old Testament in the Bible, here's a quick clue. It's really never about the people you're reading about. It's about the one who's to come, Jesus Christ. So you read all these interesting stories in the Old Testament, it's really not about Noah. It's not about Noah and the ark and a boat. We're not going to be asked to build a boat. Noah's not going to help any of us. It's, it's actually not about Noah at all. It's a foreshadow of the one who is going to save us, Jesus Christ. And so them wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, they fail the test. But guess what? Jesus comes and he, he's in the desert for how long? 40 days. If you're hearing this story as a Jew, it's taking you right back to that big monument moment in history. Well, then in the wilderness, what happened? When they're in the wilderness wandering, they were faced with a couple of things. First is this. Remember, they were freed, so they came with nothing. They came with nothing. They were completely dependent upon God. So God would give them food, but this is how God would give them food. In the morning, manna, bread, would just show up. It's like there was just a delivery person. It's like, boom, you need it, you got it. Here's the thing. You got enough for that day. Because the delivery person was going to come the next day. Now, I don't know about you, but I kind of like to have a plan, right? I kind of like to know, okay, I want to make sure I have enough food for the next day. So what do you do? You kind of begin to store up. The Israelites are like, well, no, this is cool. The delivery person is coming, but it's kind of like what? I better make sure because I don't know if the delivery person is going to come. So what do they do? They store up. They store up for themselves. Then what happens is after they store up for themselves, what happens? God says, <laughs> well, you don't need me anymore. But then guess what happens to what they're storing up? It rots. It gets bad. It starts causing them, actually, issues. Because what? Well, they left what they had. But problem number one, they had a craving they were tested. What happened? They gave in to the craving. They gave in to the craving. Jesus, 40 days in the desert, probably a little hungry. Most of us can hardly go six hours on a fast, right? Let alone 40 days. 40 days. Hey, what does Satan do? Oh, got him. 
right where I want him. What does he go right for the craving? Hey, here's some bread. Here's some bread. Jesus is tested with a craving, just like the Israelites were tested with a craving. What does Jesus do? Man does not live on bread alone, but by the very word of God. In other words, Jesus says, I'm going to depend upon God. Israelites wandering in the wilderness. They were brought out of a culture that maybe worshipped anything and everything. Promised in this promised land that they're going to have this amazing temple that was going to be built up where they would worship God. But in the meantime, they don't have anything. So what do they end up doing after a variety of different things? What do they do? They build a calf. They build a golden calf. Because if they build the golden calf and worship the golden calf, what's going to happen? They're going to receive what? Power and strength. So what do they do? They build it and they worship it. What happens? They lose their power and their strength. Because what? They decided to worship at the altar of what they could see and feel and touch. Jesus, in the desert, Satan comes to him and says, Hey, 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 guess what? I've got authority over all of this. I got authority and power over everything, and I will give you authority and power. Sounds like a great deal. Satan says, all you got to do is this. Bow down. Honor me. Worship me. What does Jesus say? Scripture says, worship the Lord your God and worship him only. Jesus does not bow at Satan. Here's the crazy part about this, the amazing part of the Bible. Jesus doesn't bow at that moment to Satan to get a clear-cut path to power and authority. But what does Jesus do? Jesus takes the slow crawl, three years, and then the ultimate penalty of the death, going to the cross. And what's he given after that? Power and authority over everything, heavens and earth. He could have had power over earth at that moment if he would have given in to Satan. But what happens? He's patient and he's disciplined, and what's the end result? Full authority over heaven and earth. Satan goes after the here and now. Jesus says, it's not about the here and now. Israelites, what do they do? They give in to the craving. Israelites, what do they do? They give in to the power, the here and now, worship. What's next? Well, now the Israelites are beginning to wonder. Are we going to be kept safe? Where's our safety going to come from? What do they do next? They curse the Spirit of God in hopes that they will be kept safe from the Spirit of God. Now, now Deuteronomy 6 through 8, you can kind of read the recap of all this. Now, Jesus, what happens in the desert? Satan says, hey, 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 jump down from here. And Satan twists some scripture just a little bit to try and get Jesus to jump. But what does Jesus say? Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Israelites had put their Lord, their God, to the test. Jesus says, I'm not going to put the Lord, my God, to the test. He's my security. He's my safety. Israelites wandered. They fell from the promise of God and the purpose of God. Think about this for a moment. If you're taking notes, just write down purpose and promise. The Israelites fell from the purpose of God, which was what? To worship God. If you go back and read why the Israelites were released from slavery, Moses says it to them like seven times over. 
what? Release my people so that they can what? Go and worship. The purpose that God wanted his people to be freed from is because he wanted his people to bow down and declare that the God of Israel was great in worship. They could not worship in slavery. That was their purpose. They not just had purpose, though. What else did they have? They had the promise of God. The promise of God was what? I will provide for you every morning freshness. I will protect you. I will be your rear guard and your front guard. They had purpose and they had promise. And what did the Israelites do? They neglected the purpose of God and worshipped the golden calf. And what did they do? They did not rest in the promises of God, but in their own power. Because they said, we're not going to trust God's protection and we're not going to trust God's provision. So that's why they wandered for 40 years. If you want to wander in life and not experience the life that God has for you, here's a way to do it. Neglect the purpose of God and forget the promises of God. But today, if you want to step in to the great life, the life that God has created you to live, you step into it by what? Remembering the purpose of God. Orienting your life around the purpose of God, that everything is for His worship, for His glory and His honor, and what? Resting in the promises of God. You do not wander when you're focused on the purpose of God and resting in the promises of God. This is exactly what Jesus did in the desert. What does he do? He says, the purpose is to worship God the Father. And the promise of God is what? That he will deliver. Today, are you stepping into the purposes and the promises of God? The good news today is that we don't have to wander because we have one who has what? Overcame every temptation on our behalf, but did not give in. So let's look a little bit closer here on this. What's at stake? What, what are we trying to, to avoid giving in to? This idea of temptation. So Jesus is being tempted. Most time when you and I think about temptation, we think about it this way. I'm trying to avoid being tempted to do something. And so oftentimes we talk about, hey, don't fall into temptation because you're not supposed to do that. When we talk about sin or wrongdoing in that same regard, we think about sin as what? We're doing something we're not supposed to be doing. Here's where we miss the boat. When we think that way, we fall into religion. We fall into do's and don'ts and just trying to kind of keep rules, and it's a lot of up and down like this. The issue with temptation is Satan is not trying to get Jesus to do something. Satan is trying to get Jesus to leave something. The primary issue with our sin is not what we are doing, but rather what we are not doing. The primary issue with our sin is not what we are doing, but rather what we are not doing. Until you grasp this, you will not grasp the beauty of Christianity. If you believe it's about what you are doing, Christianity is simply about not doing, about just getting as close to the line as you can, avoiding stepping over it, just doing a couple of good things. Not at all. The reason that God breaks his heart, the reason that God sends his own son, Jesus, to the cross is not because of the stuff we're doing, but because it's the stuff that we're not doing. 
God's heart breaks for you this morning because God has set you on a pathway to do and to be a certain way. And when you're not doing and you're not being, that breaks the heart of God. The issue is not the fact that you're stealing. The issue is you're not giving. Some of us are like, I'm not stealing. I'm a pretty good person. It's not the standard at all. The question is, are you not stealing? The question is, are you giving? I mean, how close to the line do we walk on this one? Well, I'm not lying. I'm just not telling the whole truth. The issue is not the, the lie you said. The issue is what? You didn't speak the truth. Temptation is trying to remove us from something. Look with me. Let's look here at Luke chapter 4, the very first thing that Jesus faces. Luke 4, verse 3. The devil says to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. What is Satan trying to remove Jesus from? He's trying to remove Jesus from this, that God the Father alone is enough. That living in the presence of God and on what God provides is enough. The problem with greed, the problem with wanting more, is not the stuff that we're wanting. It's the fact that we're saying to God, God, you are not enough. Because whenever we fall into greed, we're saying this, I have to have this in order to have peace or happiness or hope. We're basically saying to God, God, you're just not enough. The issue isn't what we want. The issue is that we're leaving behind that God is enough. Satan comes to Jesus next and says again, hey, bow down and worship me. The issue isn't the golden calf in the wilderness for the Israelites. The issue is what? They're not worshiping God. They're not giving God praise. It's not like God is happy that, oh, you know, there's 50,000 people in Sioux Falls. At, at, at least they're not going to the mosque this morning. God's not sitting up there going, hey, I'm really happy that at least they're not going to the mosque this morning. Absolutely not. God's disappointed that what? They're not coming to worship me. Whether they're going to the mosque or staying home or whatever, the issue is not where they're going. The issue is they're not where they're supposed to be, giving praise to God. Are you where you're supposed to be? Are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Or are you just focused on not doing certain things. Because the creation of God is so much bigger than that. Are you living in the purpose of God and trusting in the promises of God? Jesus Christ did not wander. But what happened to Jesus Christ? He set firmly in one direction. That direction was the cross. That's why you might, when you're reading the Gospels a couple of times, you'll, you'll see the disciples are kind of like, hey, let's kind of head over here. And Jesus was firm in one direction. We're going to Jerusalem. We're going to the cross. Jesus did not wander aimlessly. 
because he was focused on the purposes of his heavenly father and he was trusting in the promises of his heavenly father. There's been one in all of creation, in all of history, that has not wandered aimlessly, Jesus Christ. The good news this morning is not that we now have a formula to fight temptation. The good news this morning is that we have a person who has defeated every single temptation and now allows us to enter into that life where we can be on purpose with him. And so what do we do to enter into that life? Number one, two things we have to do to enter into that life. Number one is this. Keep Jesus as the object of our faith and the example of our living. Keep Jesus as the object of our faith and the example of our living. It starts here. Every single one of us in this room this morning is trusting in something or someone. If you talk to someone, you're just like, hey, what do you believe about life after death? And you get down to the hardcore question that almost all the people are going to say what? I'm going to heaven. You work down that pathway. I've heard it multiple times. Why are you going to heaven? I've been a pretty good person. You're trusting in something. What are you trusting in? You're trusting in your goodness. I've gone to church most of my life. What are you trusting in? Your religious activity that you did something. The object of our faith is not our own action or our own character. The object of our faith is Jesus Christ who has resisted every single temptation. So the very first thing we have to do if we're going to enter into this life of living on purpose is what? Have Jesus as the object of our faith. Not our nationality, not our ethnicity, not our Christian upbringing, nothing outside of Jesus Christ. He's the object of our faith. Not just the object of our faith, but Jesus is also the model of our living. Everybody in this room has got a model that they look up to, right? Everybody. Nobody woke up this morning like, I'm going to be completely original. You're wearing what you're wearing because you're following the example of someone this morning. There's not a fashion starter in this room. The question is, who's your model? Who's your example? Jesus is meant to be our example. That's why he says multiple times, you know, do as I have done. As he's washing his disciples' feet, what does he say? Go and do this to one another as I have done for you. Love one another as I have loved you. Forgive one another what? As I have forgiven you. Jesus is our living example. And so we have to continually come back to this idea of what's Jesus say about that? How does Jesus interact with that? He's the object of our faith and the example of our living. Number one, if we're entering into living on purpose, Jesus has to be the object of our faith and the example of our living. Number two, if we're going to enter into a life on purpose, we've got to saturate ourselves in the truth, wisdom, and the ways of God. Saturate, 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 saturate ourselves. There's some good chocolate chip cookies somebody from our church had made one time. They were delicious. And so I asked the person, I'm like, hey, I need that recipe. These are amazing. So I got the recipe and like, it eh, seems pretty simple. I'm like, I think you just got these off of the back of the bag. But anyhow, I get the recipe, make the cookies. I'm like, they didn't turn out exactly the same. Did you follow the recipe? <laughs> Who are you talking to here? Of course, I followed the recipe. Went right to the central question. Did you let the butter sit out before you started? 
Well, no, I melted the butter in the microwave. <laughs> no, no, no. You have to melt the butter on the countertop. Let it soften itself. Well, that would require you plan in advance. That would require that what? You can't have it right now. The best comes what? Waiting. Talk to the best chefs, the best grillers. What do they do? You got to let it sit. You got to let it rest. We want it right here, right now. The best thing that some of us can do for our spiritual lives today is to saturate ourselves in the truth of God, not just boom, moment, and I'm done. Pick one truth this next week, one truth, and just meditate upon that. There's no requirement that you have the whole Bible memorized, okay? So maybe pick one thing and what? Know that one thing before you move on to the next thing. We've got to be so saturated in God's truth that the moment we hear a voice, the moment we see an advertisement, what can we do? We can pick out that it's not in alignment with God's truth. Jesus, what's his response to every temptation? Jesus' response to every temptation is what? Scripture. Truth of God. I really encourage people to think of it this way. We need to be good rememberizers. Now, you grammar police, just leave that one alone for today, okay? We have to be good rememberizers. There's no quiz at the end about having Scripture memorized word for word. Okay, we're memorizing a translation. Anyhow, you need to memorize the truths of God. If you got a period out of place, you got an it or an is out of place, you need to have the truth of God burned into your heart. Is your life so saturated with truth that when you see something that's out of place, you recognize it just like this? Not only that, when you're saturated in truth, what are you doing? You're saturated in the being of who God wants you to be. Most of us accept something really quick, so, for example, you see the advertisements all the time, right? You need this. To be beautiful, you need these glasses. So it's like, well, i got to get those glasses. Now, think about this for a moment. Why at that moment do you say you need those glasses? Why has the ad worked? The ad has worked because you're not content in who you are. If you were content in who you are, the lie of that ad would have no pull over you. Again, temptation is trying to take you away from something. And it doesn't matter what it takes you to as long as it gets you away from the truth of God. We need to be saturated in the truth, the wisdom, and the ways of God. It's time to stop the Sunday afternoon drive. I know some of you really, really like that. There's a lot at stake. What's at stake is the lives of people around us who don't know Jesus Christ. And that means eternity is at stake for them if we believe what the Bible teaches about heaven and hell. And when we wander aimlessly, guess what happens? We do not share Jesus Christ with souls that do not know Jesus. 
But when we live on purpose and trust in the promises of God, we make impact. We bring glory to God that lasts for eternity. And so today, I want to encourage you, enter into traveling life on purpose, not wandering aimlessly. You will wander aimlessly if you buy the lie that you have to do this or do that. But you will travel with purpose if you put the purpose of God before you and trust in the promises of God, just as Jesus did in the desert. Two questions I want you to write down this morning as we prepare for the week ahead. As you prepare for the week ahead, two questions I want you to have down as your filter system. comes right from our study this morning. This next week, every morning, you are going to be blasted with a multitude of advertisements. Every single day, billboards, radio ads, TV, not just advertisements, but guess what? You're going to be blasted with ideas from your friends, from your family, your coworkers. There's going to be ideas out there. You hear different ideas, thoughts about what you have to do, what you have to have. Here's the two questions I want to encourage you to think about. How does this align with Jesus? How does this align with Jesus? Second question, if I do this or buy that or whatever, does this keep me fully engaged in the truth of God? Does this keep me fully engaged in the truth of God? This goes back again to not just doing something that might be wrong, but what? Is it moving me away from being engaged in the truth of God? Everything that you and I will fall to was created as a good gift for us. Everything that you and I fall to was created as a good gift for us. 57%, 57% of our society falls into an addiction, steps into an addiction. Do you know what one of the number one addictions is in our country? Work. One of the number one addictions in our country, work. Addiction is not just always the drug on street corner X or the street corner Y. I, I think another addiction that's pretty close to getting to the top right now is, is smartphone. It's getting there. Good stuff, good stuff that what? Becomes God's stuff. And it becomes God's stuff because why? We weren't fully engaged in the truth of God. And so we're looking for something or someone else to deliver. Here's the news this morning. Only Jesus Christ can deliver. Israel could not deliver in the wilderness but guess what? Jesus delivered in the desert and he delivered for the next three years every single time. Jesus is the only one who has delivered against every temptation. He's the perfect one who becomes the object of our faith and invites us to live on purpose with him. And so today, let's go and enjoy the good things because we're living with Jesus as the object of our faith and the model 
of our living hope. Go and enjoy the good gifts with Jesus as the object of your faith and the model for your living hope. Let us pray. Gracious God, we come before you this morning in recognition that there's a bundle of voices. God, right now, I want to pray that you raise all of our awareness to the temptations we're facing to wander. So God, I pray that this next week, you would burn your truth into our hearts and our minds. And I pray this next week that you would engage us in your ways. Lord, this morning I want to pray for anyone specifically that's, that's fallen into temptation. Lord, I ask that you'd surround them with people that can bring freedom, that can bring encouragement. And Lord, this morning I pray that the name of Jesus Christ would bring that freedom and would initiate that process. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you have delivered on our behalf through your son, Jesus Christ. It's in him alone that we trust, and it's him alone that we praise for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.